Greetings, listeners, and welcome to the Princeton Tory Podcast. My name is Billy Wade of the class of 2023 at Princeton University, and you are listening to the number one conservative podcast at Princeton campus. Today, we have with us a guest who is not only special to the Princeton community, but to the entire American community, if not worldwide community, because of what he recently went through. Today, we have with us Wong Xiu. He is the Janine Kilpatrick Fellow at, at the American Enterprise Institute, PhD candidate in history at Princeton, a graduate of both the University of Washington and Harvard University, an American patriot, a former American hostage in Iran, which we will be talking mostly about, but most importantly, a happy father and husband. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, Wang Wang. Uh, well, thank you very much, um, Bill, for inviting me. It's uh, really a pleasure to, to be here with you. And I'm, I'm deeply grateful uh, to the uh, Princeton community, uh, especially graduate students and um, um, so many undergraduate students who rallied for my freedom. And then the advocacy campaign uh, uh, for me when I was imprisoned uh, on campus and beyond. Um, and without uh, the support from our uh, student, uh, both graduate and undergraduate uh, community, uh, I don't think. Um, I would be, I would have been out uh, uh, in the end of 2019. It, uh, it could have taken uh, much longer. So, and I, I am grateful, and then uh, I want to express my sincere gratitude uh, to um, everyone uh, in the Princeton student community. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on to the podcast and for sharing these experiences that will certainly enlighten not not only me during this conversation, but absolutely every single person within voice range of this podcast. Um, now, it, it, something that you and I were just talking about just before we started recording was about you being an American patriot. And, and you said how this experience made you more American in, in, in a more an American patriot than anything else in your life. Could you it, it just elaborate a little bit more about that? Well, you know, I'm I'm immigrant, as as you can see, I speak English with a uh, with accent, and um, I came to the United States when I was 20 years old, and I became a U.S. citizen in 2009 when I was uh, uh, 20, 28 years old, um, uh, and then um, uh, I, I never thought uh, I would be. Um, taken prisoner simply because uh, I, my nationality being American. Um, but that process, uh, that 40, uh, 40, 40 months of imprisonment, um, let's say uh, as a um, uh, prisoner of conscience, because uh, not because of what I've done, but because uh, uh, who, who I was um, in the Iranian prison. And by the way, that's uh, uh, a I was told by the Iranian interrogator, uh, I, I think we'll, uh, dis, uh, we'll discuss a bit later. I was told by my inter Iranian interrogator, uh, I was there uh, for no other reason uh, than being an American. Uh, and then you know, they wanted uh, to, uh, to arrest me and convict me uh, as a, a spy, American spy, so that they can do a prisoner uh, exchange uh, with America and get their uh, frozen asset back uh, from the US. Uh, so I was there as a prisoner of uh, conscience um, because of uh, my American uh, citizenship. Uh, and then uh, and this process uh, really um, uh, made me, um, uh, throughout this uh, 40 month period, uh, more American than I, ex 
uh, than I thought I would uh, um, I would be uh, in my life because uh, you have to know uh, that when I heard um, the Secretary of State, uh, in fact, um, read my name uh, out loud uh, in the press conference, and that was broadcasted uh, in Iranian TV live. Um, that that moment, uh, um, I, I don't know um, what is the best way to describe that, but I, I felt, you know, but I felt um, me, an immigrant, uh, naturalized American, matter no less um, than America born American. And I think that's what our nation stands for, right? Um, and then there were moments like that. Um, and, um, uh, when I when I was uh, finally exchanged, uh, the then uh, U.S. Special Envoy on Iran uh, congratulated me, uh, "Welcome home, uh, you are a free man." Uh, and the first thing I told him uh, was that, uh, "Thank you, uh, uh, Mr. Hook, um, Brian Hook. Um, I'm uh, proud to be American, and I mean that uh, when I when I said." This, uh, when I said that, and today uh, um, I uh, have become uh, vocal uh, in uh, in my um, uh, uh, in my opinion um, against uh, the malice of the Islamic Republic of Iran, and for uh, the interest, national interest uh, of the United States um, uh, and our allies in the region. Absolutely. Well. There, there is so much, um, you know, the way that you just explained it, it's, it sounded like it wasn't that long of a period, but it was truly 40 months that you were in captivity and, 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 and there was so much uncertainty about your own future. So just as a way of background, you were arrested in 2016 on counts of quote espionage, correct? But, but in the end, as your Iranian interrogator told you, the you were only arrested because you were in fact an American. Now, at, at yeah. how how long were you in Iran before you were arrested? And at what point did you start to feel unsafe or or or, or, or feel that something was up? So uh, in the beginning of 2016, uh, that's after Iran and uh, America uh, concluded uh, the uh, uh, nuclear Iran nuclear deal, so-called JCPOA. Uh, uh, joint uh, co comprehensive plan of action. Uh, and um, uh, so things looked very positive and in consultation with uh, uh, my um, uh, department, uh, sorry, let, let me rephrase, um, with the encouragement of uh, uh, my, my advisor and the, uh, the Iranian Studies Center, uh, uh, I uh, went to Iran to explore uh, research opportunities while uh, uh, studying uh, and improving um, uh, my, my Persian language uh, skill. Uh, and I was there uh, twice. Um, I returned to the, to the United States uh, during the Iranian New Year, but I was there uh, altogether for about uh, four months. Um, I, uh, I did not really feel uh, 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 unsafe or any sort of danger until a couple of hours before I was supposed to leave the country, I received a call uh, from uh, an unknown number. Uh, uh, and uh, the person 
claims himself to be claimed himself to be a Iranian police. He asked me to go to a designated uh, location, which is a diplomatic police station, to uh, uh, you know with my passport and computer uh, for some questioning. So I probably went, uh, and then there they confiscated my passport uh, and computer. Um, and then they interrogated me for a couple of hours and then told me, you are not going home today. So wait for our uh, communication. So I was kept uh, in limbo uh, like that for about 18 days, uh, during, uh, during which period uh, they interrogated me uh, another time in the middle. Uh, and then um, when I really felt uncomfortable and uh, a sense of uh, imminent danger was on August 4th, 2016. When I read on my uh, cell phone, uh, they allowed me to keep my cell phone so that they could contact me. So when I read on my cell phone, a Wall Street Journal article saying that the January 2016 uh, prisoner exchange uh, between Iran and the Obama administration, uh, in which uh, the Obama administration um, uh, paid, uh, let's say, rephrase, sorry, the Obama administration released uh, $1.7 billion uh, of fr frozen Iranian assets uh, to Iran. Uh, and then this was um, uh, heavily criticized uh, on US media at the time, saying, um, uh, including uh, Donald Trump, who was the um, uh, presidential candidate at that time, saying, "Well, Obama, you 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 paid ransom uh, to Iran. You are uh, you are encouraging Iran the Iranians to arrest more Americans as a hostage for ransom." So that's the moment that I felt, "Well, they are going to arrest me uh, for ransom." Uh, but uh, before, uh, because because that's a Thursday, uh, which is a weekend in Iran, uh, before I could uh, uh, communicate with the Swiss embassy. Uh, which is a protecting power of that uh, uh, of U.S. interest in Iran. Um, before I could do that, um, uh, on the uh, following Sunday, when the embassy opens, um, I was called to uh, the. Um, uh, 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 I was called to a, a hotel, a five-star hotel, a, a local five-star hotel, by the same people, uh, where they told me. Uh, uh, they have investigated me and then they decided to release me. Uh, they're going to take me to the airport. Uh, and then, so I called my wife uh, and telling her that uh, I'm, the Iranians are giving my passport back and then letting me go. So I should be home in like um, uh, in a day. And I also called the Swiss embassy to arrange my travel, uh, 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 to, to arrange my travel uh, in the airport. Um, so, uh, the Swiss went to the airport to wait for me, but instead of taking me to the airport, uh, the Ministry of Intelligence, uh, as it turned out later, uh, uh, took me to uh, the Edin prison uh, and threw me into uh, solitary confinement uh, and um, uh, for uh, and subjected me to an intense interrogation for 18 days. Uh, so I was only first allowed to communicate with the outside uh, on the 19th day uh, after my arrest. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, obviously there there is a certain whirlwind of emotions going up and down and whether or not you were going home or not and then taken to the place where you did not think you were going. Um, right. so, so then while, while captive, um, how likely did you 
did you feel that you would be headed home someday again, or that you'd be able to see your family again, or, or what what sort of hope was there, and and if there was any, what motivated that? Uh, well, let's say um, let me describe to you uh, the the solitary. Uh, so I, I was uh, stripped down uh, to my underwear, and then I was given a prison uniform, uh, a kind of like um, pajama. Uh, and I was given three pieces of blankets and towel and uh, uh, toothpaste, toothbrush, and that was it. And I was thrown into a solitary confinement. Uh, uh, and then in the cell, there's nothing. Uh, there's just a, uh, a very dirty carpet and a sink. Uh, toilet was outside. Uh, I had to press a bell when I want to use toilet. Uh, but inside, um, uh, it was just a, let's say, uh, in terms of um, uh, meters, uh, would be uh, uh, two and a half meters uh, by four meters. Uh, I'm not sure how how, how many uh, uh, how big it is in terms of uh, uh, foot, but it's not very big. Meters, <laughs> right, two and a half meters uh, by four meters uh, size, and then um, uh, you know when 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 I was thrown in there, uh, I, I started um, feeling adrenaline kicked in, I started feeling um, panic. Um, uh, so I, I, I put my stuff down and then started taking deep breaths um, and then walk around the cell just to distract myself. So I saw writings on the wall, uh, scribble, uh, scri uh, scribbles on the wall. Uh, and I saw, you know, the mostly written in Persian uh, and Arabic uh, prayers and things. and. Um, but there, somebody uh, wrote in English, 364 days. It, it was like, I, I was there for, you know, mere minutes and I felt uh, that, 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 that it is impossible to bear uh, the pressure um, and then uh, the desperation. Uh, but then somebody, how can some, how could somebody stay here 364 days. So I immediately collapsed uh, having, having seen that. Um, and then, so in the first eight, uh, uh, three weeks, I, I would say I uh, lost uh, nine kilos. Uh, uh, and then that was, that was a, a extremely uh, difficult time, but I had a, I had a hope uh, because I was thinking that they, when they, uh, I was naive in a way. I I, I thought they were uh, invest, really investigating me. Uh, once they found out that um, I have not done anything against the Iranian law uh, or anything harmful at all, um, because I've solely focused on my own research and study. Uh, so once they realized that, they will let me go. So I guess. Uh, uh, to be really frank, uh, the hope that uh, they would understand that I was innocent and then let me go uh, was initially uh, the pillar uh, for my for my survival uh, in the toughest days of uh, of the solitary confinement. But also uh, I remember that I actually called my wife and the Swiss embassy, telling them that I'm going home. Uh, I, I was constantly worried uh, without seeing me, not knowing where I was. 
uh, what they would do, what they would they think, would they would they know that I had been arrested? So it was a constantly a constant worry, uh, uncertainty, and anxiety. It was uh, absolutely awful, uh, awful uh, feeling. Uh, the light was on twenty four seven. I could not sleep. Um, uh, I was sleeping on the concrete ground. Um, it, it, it was really really horrible. Uh, nobody should uh, should have, uh, you know, nobody should go through that. Um, that's just uh, really bad. Absolutely. So you, you said that that hope was initially based on the on the the assumption that one day Iran would recognize that you have done nothing illegal, done nothing wrong, and at that point they will release you. So then, at what yeah. point did you recognize that that was never their purpose, and 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 how did that change your motivations going forward? Look, so how, how you know I um, uh, I spent four months in Iran and I did not go anywhere out of there, Tehran. I was doing language work uh, in the institute, uh, research work in the archives, and then uh, uh, the rest of the time pretty much in my uh, in my apartment. Uh, and then how 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 difficult is it for them uh, uh, to figure out that I didn't do anything? bad, right? So I was hoping it would just be a matter of days, uh, maybe three, four days, and they would let me go. Um, but, um, uh, but so in the first 18 days, they interrogated me, they asked all kinds of um, uh, biographic questions, or opinion questions, what I studied, where I'm from, who I know, uh, my opinion about uh, US foreign policy, my understanding of Iran, uh, how I look at U.S. foreign policy or uh, or or Iran, the Middle East, etc. Um, they ask the, the, you know the same kind of question over and over again. Um, uh, nothing would would think that would uh, um, uh, incriminate me anyway. But in the 18th day, they told me, okay, we decided that you haven't done anything wrong. Again, this is the second time they they were they were saying that. Uh, so we're gonna take take you to our chief, uh, if you can convince them, uh, if you can convince him, uh, he, he may release you uh, or let you on, go on bail. Uh, and then uh, that sounded fishy, but uh, for a person in that kind of uh, high pressure, you, you, you want to believe uh, even, you want to believe it, even if you only, if you know there's it, it only 1% of chance that can happen. So, so they took me to a, again, to another five-star five hotel where the uh, old man showed up saying, We're, uh, I'm going to ask you some questions and then uh, we'll analyze your facial expression. Uh, the the, the Q&A would be filmed and we'll an, uh, uh, analyze your, 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 your facial expressions. If we think you are telling the truth, we'll release you. Um, but when they started doing that, I realized that uh, the 18 days of interrogation was like a rehearsal. Uh, they were asking me the same question, expecting me uh, to give exact the answer that they expected. Um, and then uh, soon enough, it turned out that this is not about true or false, you know, because because they were uh, asking me uh, uh, opinion uh, questions uh, that cannot be judged uh, in terms of true, uh, true or false, right? Um, so, so, uh, and then that turned out to be a documentary, a propaganda documentary uh, they were shooting that they were going to use after a year, uh, a year after I was arrested to justify my arrest. 
but uh, after that, uh, they took me uh, out uh, of solitary confinement and then uh, to, uh, to a cell of a similar size, but with the two or three others. Uh, they left me alone uh, and then they allowed me to call the first time after that. Um, and then uh, my wife already knew that I was arrested because um, um, a, a lawyer uh, that I hired before I was arrested found out um, where I was. Um, um, but so they let me alone for 10 days, uh, again in limbo, uh, making me believe that they were, they were probably going to release me. Uh, uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, after 10 days, they started interrogation again. Uh, and saying, um, uh, uh, basically forced me into confession as an American spy. Uh, they basically said, uh, uh, you were uh, a language student, you're not supposed to do research, uh, but I told them, look, uh, I I'm on an education visa, you don't have a research or language visa difference. You have an educational visa. And when I got the language, sponsorship, uh, language study sponsorship, I, uh, I issued, you know, I asked Princeton to issue a letter of introduction and I sent to the Iranian Foreign Ministry and intersection in DC uh, for approval. I made my research intention very upfront and clear. And even the Foreign Ministry and intersection, Iranian intersection issued a letter to support, to acknowledge uh, my research intent and support my research endeavor. Well, what is this all about? Um, and then, um, and then uh, basically they said, uh, 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 you are collecting uh, information uh, illegally and then according to, your, uh, to our law, you're a spy. Um, and, then, uh, uh, and then they said, if you, you, know, you need to confess, uh, if you don't, uh, you go back to the solitary confinement uh, until, until you, you confess, uh, we have patience. Uh, you have to understand that the solitary confinement is uh, really horrible. Um, and then with, uh, with time, uh, without them doing anything on you, 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 you will go crazy, uh, uh, simply, as simple as that. Um, and then, um, so they told me, if you don't confess, uh, you will never be able to go back to the States. You will never be able to see your wife and son again. You'll be forgotten your rot uh, here. Um, and then uh, they also told me, look, um, we need to have you as a spy so that we can do a deal with the United States uh, to get Iranian prisoners back, to get um, our asset back. Uh, so uh, you don't really have a choice. Um, so I, uh, so I had a, uh, no choice but to confess. And the confession was actually simple. One line in Persian and English, I'm a spy uh, for the United States. Uh, that's literally the worst day of my life. Um, I, I, I felt uh, uh, disgusted by myself, um, betrayed by myself, uh, completely helpless. Uh, uh, I, I immediately descended into, uh, 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 into uh, desperation. Um, but that was it. Uh, uh, after that, uh, they never came to me again. Uh, and then uh, uh, unbeknownst to me at that moment, uh, according to Iranian law, a confession uh, from the accused is adequate 
to to convict him or her. So a half a year later, I was convicted uh, without proper legal process. Uh, no evidence, uh, no witness. Um, my lawyer were not. Uh, my lawyers were not allowed to speak. Um, and then I was convicted of uh, infiltration um, and uh, uh, espionage, uh, well, uh, and given ten years of a sentence. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, I, I also want to say um, um, it's a it's a really uh, relevant uh, uh, revelatory uh, experience um, being held uh, in the high security jail um, and had uh, uh, having had this uh, interactions uh, with the um, uh, interrogators and the Iranian judicial uh, officials. I'll just give you several example. Um, the interrogator asked me um, uh, what I think of the U.S.-Iran relations. So I've, I, I told him very frankly what I really believed. Uh, I said, uh, well, um, I, the United States and Iran have a lot of conflicts, um, but, we, but I don't think we need to be our enemies towards each other. We don't need to be friends, but we can have a normal state-to-state -state relations. Uh, just like uh, between the United States and uh, other, um, every other country. And I said, um, uh, I think uh, the president of the United States should visit Iran, uh, like Nixon visited China. And then the, uh, the interrogator basically sneered at me, uh, saying, no, we will never welcome American president to visit Iran. Um, and in fact, my comment, actually, I learned this comment uh, from uh, someone who worked in the Clinton administration, I believe, uh, who wrote a book uh, about, um, about Iran-US relations and they talked about why American president should visit Iran, right? So, um, and this, my comment of that was quoted uh, in the court as evidence against me saying, well, Obama gave the deal, created a JCPOA for Iran. Um, the JCPOA uh, is a iron fist uh, under uh, a velvet glove, uh, Obama's trick uh, for regime change. Uh, and then you, uh, American, you came to Iran and you think Obama should visit Iran, meaning you are accomplice of Obama's regime exchange um, conspiracy. Uh, and, and, and you see, this, 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 this is completely in contradiction from what I have learned as a student because I spent most of my adult life uh, in ivory tower uh, uh, to be trained as an academic. And then I learned um, uh, a very, you know, uh, you know, very liberal, progressive uh, uh, education. That is, um, uh, the Middle East is the the way it is today. Islamic fundamentalism, uh, Iranian uh, theocratic regime, ISIS, Al Qaeda, etc. The chaos in the region. Everything can be explained that way uh, by uh, the imperialist uh, colonial uh, colonial approach. Uh, to the Middle East by Western powers um, in the last two centuries. Um, in particular, in, uh, uh, particularly in Iran, everything 
uh, happened uh, bad. Uh, you know, er every bad thing happened in that country since 1953 can be explained away uh, with the so-called um, uh, CIA-backed coup against a democratically elected um, prime minister, uh, Mossadegh. Uh, I'm not going to the historical details. And then what I just said is actually uh, wrong in, uh, you know, factually wrong in many ways. Um, but this is what the predominant progressive liberal media uh, uh, say uh, about 1953, what happened in 1953, right? So, so I thought um, with uh, the JCPOA, JCPOA, the Iranian, the Iran nuclear deal, is a major step, uh, a landmark step, taken by the United States to right or wrong towards Middle East. Right? You, you can't. You know, I believe this is such an instrumental step that would change um, the way the, re the, 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 the Iranian regime behave towards us. Certainly, yeah. Yeah, so I think we're, uh, we're starting to get into some really good stuff. Um, first off, thank you so much for, for your, your honesty and bluntness and frankness in, in explaining your experience in captivity. Um, I mean, I can promise you that anyone would have made those same decisions that, that, that you did. And, and the fact that you are who you are now, being so vocal and, and being so willing to talk about this is a testament to not only your, your courage, but your fortitude and, and resilience in, in the face of great opposition. Um, so we were already starting to trend that way, but uh, you, you have a great piece in the, the, the Wall Street Journal entitled, What I Learned in an Iranian Prison. Um, we will include it for all of the listeners within our show notes. But within all those unique experiences, what what have you come to learn about not only the Iranian regime but the Iranian people? Do you do you see there there is a is a a difference in how they they view America between you know what what the regime says and all the propaganda and the Iranian people themselves? Or, or is there actually quite a bit of, um, or basically, is it homogeneous across both groups? Okay, so let me just continue from where I left off from the previous uh, yes. question. So, my, my, you know, my understanding is that if we right or wrong, they will come around, right? That, that that's what I have been told, and many many students have been told uh, that way on campus, but that wasn't the case. Um, because, because what I thought as something really positive that we are writing or wrong, but they were taking it particularly as a kind of offense, right? So they look at you, they look at us in a conspiratorial lens. No matter what we do, um, the regime, the Iranian regime would take it negatively. It would take it as some sort of, um, um, uh, again, in their own terms, uh, 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 iron fist and their velvet glove. Doesn't really matter what we do. Whatever we do in their uh, rhetoric is just a tactical, uh, a tactical change, uh, you know, tactical uh, adoption, uh, uh, adaptation for, uh, for regime change, right? And then that was really shocking uh, to me um, 
because this is so different from 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 what I what I have learned uh, on, on university campus. Um, it's it's not only about us. So I started to think uh, the critical issue, um, you know, in there is that we what we have been taught uh, in the university, you know, the Edward Saidian, uh, the Edward Said famous book uh, Orientalism. Um, uh, explains everything um, bad in as we perceive as bad in the Middle East as some sort of a reactive uh, uh, um, uh, a reaction uh, of uh, local uh, actors to our malice, right? But then I think that approach is has a fundamental problem because because it takes away their agency. Right? It explains whatever they do as a reaction to what we do and completely ignores their interest, their agency of doing what they think uh, fit for their political or vested interest. Right? So I started thinking in terms of uh, this. And then to come back to your, 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 your question, um, it, you know, when I went to Iran, um, you know, I, I really have to confess, I wasn't uh, a, a, a trained Iranist. I didn't come to, to Princeton to study Iran per se. I, was, uh, I came to study Soviet Union uh, and Russia, and I wanted to do a kind of a transnational comparative uh, governance studies. Uh, Iran just ha uh, happened uh, to give me a visa. So I, so I went, uh, to make a long story short, um, under the auspices of JCPOA, when things between US and Iran looked positive and rosy. Uh, but I think there is a total misunderstanding uh, on our part of what the Iranian regime actually is. And then today, to this day, I'm saying the same myth that led me uh, to that terrible trap is still being perpetuated on university campuses, including ours. Um, and then when I went there, I, I want to say, I knew that there were US sanctions on Iran for decades. And I said, I would say when people ask me, I would say, oh, these sanctions are terrible. The Iranian people have become a collateral damage. We should lift sanctions. We should, we, we should, you know, we should build a, a, a normal country to country relations with them. But when I went there, when we talked to the Iranians, um, what I found really surprising is that um, most Iranians, I, I cannot say all, but uh, uh, certainly most Iranians I talk to acknowledge that sanctions are terrible, are taking a terrible toll on them, but they remarkably, uh, they understand uh, that um, it is their regime, their theocratic regime um, that is bringing all these sanctions upon the Iranian people through the regime's own uh, malicious activities. Um, so, and then many Iranians, in fact, told me they the regime deserves sanction. Uh, U.S. should sanction them. Well, and I said, oh, would would that make uh, any sense? In you know, if the uh, U.S. Uh, lifts sanctions, that uh, uh, you, the Iranian people, would benefit from it. And then they told me uh, in many occasions they said. Well, no, actually, uh, we hope for that, but that didn't happen. Uh, when sanctions are lifted, uh, the, the benefit uh, don't trickle down to us, uh, but the regime gets the money and resources 
to expand their malicious activities in the region and beyond. And we are oppressed more. Um, and then, um, so, you know, this is something uh, really remarkable to me. You cannot see another country where people are more um, pro-American, uh, 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 so interested in American pop culture uh, than Iran. Um, or people, uh, there, there are more uh, fast food, uh, hamburger, pizza uh, restaurants on the street of Tehran than any city in America. Um, uh, and then um, uh, the, 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 uh, the biggest dream for many Iranians is to come to the United States, to study here, to live here, to enjoy our freedom. Because people, it uh, doesn't matter you're, you're, you're Asian, you're Black, you're white, you're Latino, or you're, you're Middle Eastern. I think all human beings have the same pursuit uh, same uh, uh, um, desire to pursue uh, of uh, liberty and freedom. And the Iranians are like that too. They do not want to live under the uh, religious theocracy that gives privilege uh, to the uh, 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 theocratic elite, um, but uh, um, tread down the uh, Iranian populace and their feet. Um, they want freedom and then that that does not come at odds with their culture and religious beliefs you can be a pious muslim but you can enjoy freedom at the same time right mm -hmm. and then they would want that and then they understand it is not the united states uh, that is creating the major problem they they understand that many most iranians that i have met understand the regime is their problem in fact in many uh, demonstrations uh, on the street, on the street uh, of Iranian cities, they say that you, the regime, say America and Israel are our enemies, but our enemies is uh, are really right here. You are our enemies. You are taking our, our liberty from us. You are taking the wealth from our nation, right? Yeah. So I think and that's really, really remarkable. It, it, it certainly is, and you're you're absolutely correct that that does kind of fly in the face of modern American academic literature and teaching on Iran and and how the Iranian re regime works, especially in, in in relation to its people, and uh, because there there is so much, um, whether at Princeton or at, at other universities, that teaches us that um, importing Western values or that Western values in general are are either incompatible or it's a form of of imperialism to even even show them unto others like not even to quote coerce them to agree with but would you say and that you, you raised yeah you raised a very interesting question is the western values and then in fact the iranians also the the um that my interrogators also talked about that saying hmm. you are here to promote so-called american liberty um, and that's the most puzzling thing to me, um, liberty. Okay, so even the, uh, even my interrogate, Iranian intelligence interrogators thought what I was doing, well, I, I, I was not doing, I was not promoting American liberty, but in his, in his rhetoric that promoting American liberty is a very bad thing. Uh, 
but but you know but think about it in the, in the, in essence what the regime is afraid of is precisely freedom of the people right so they do not want their people to have a liberty that's it that's that's the problem in iran and for the most part in most authoritarian regimes in most authoritarian systems but in the in the iranian case it's particularly sad because because uh because the 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 the, the iranian people enjoy the greater uh, degree of freedom under the shah i'm not, not saying the shah was an angel in any way he was also a um, dictator uh, but he was um, uh, more tolerant and then uh, he gave the people of Iran more freedom. Um, and then when the Islamic revolution happened, uh, the clerics promised the people of Iran political freedom um, and then uh, economic prosperity. Um, and then 40 years on, they could not deliver on that. So it, it's a tragic. Uh, really, you look at Iran, I think uh, at the time of revolution, uh, Iran was the uh, 15th or 16th biggest economy in the world. By 2019, it's the 32nd, I, I believe. A, a country full of a potential, uh, but totally trashed uh, by its, 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 uh, its uh, theocratic uh, 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 and uh, uh, kleptopat- uh, you know, a kleptocratic it is like you said i think tragic is probably the the most um maybe correct word to 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 describe the entire situation because you're right it's not as though there wasn't a time before uh 1979 that there were more freedoms experienced and and held by the iranian people um so i really appreciate your your um uh, perspective on that. So then, moving forward, is there much hope? Do you see for for for, for the Iranian people to receive those liberties? And if so, is that something that 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 the U.S. can actually be a part of, or is it something that may inevitably have to come from the Iranian people themselves? So I have I have a recently published article on Hoover Institution's uh, uh, caravan. Uh, talking about the human rights in Iran. Uh, you you have really have to understand, uh, for people outside of Iran who are, con- uh, who are Iran watchers or concerned about a situa- what's going on in Iran, we constantly talk about the nuclear deal, uh, Iranian missiles, Iranian proxies, etc. But for people of Iran, it's really just about human rights. Uh, it's about, you know, the, the reasons is actually very simple. Uh, the it's about uh, Iranian people um, being oppressed um, by its brutal regime. Human rights, what we call human rights in Iran is in, an, uh, in, in essence uh, an issue of a civil and political right of the Iranian people promised under the, the, the law of that very regime, right? Mm-hmm. So they demand freedom um, according to uh, what the regime has promised them in 1979. 
They demand equity. They demand prosperity. They demand a, 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 a you know a more reasonable um, uh, uh, foreign policy, uh, not put Iran at odds with other countries. Right? Um, they demand a, a focus, uh, an internal uh, a focus of the politics and resources, so that the people, so so, so that the country can focusing on uh, uh, strengthening the well-being of its 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 populace. Um, and the prosperity of uh, 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 of the nation, right? So that's 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 what their uh, uh, you know concern uh, uh, really is for 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 uh, for the for the Iranian people. And then they really look at America, the United States, as as a as a beacon of uh, of of liberty. Uh, they wanted America uh, uh, to support them uh, when they went down to the street. Uh, to protest against the regime, um, uh, and then you see um, when Trump administration imposed reimposed the sanctions, um, many uh, Iran experts, uh, including, for example, the former dean of uh, Johns Hopkins, uh, Saiz, uh, the School of Advanced International Studies, uh, Professor Ali Nasr, uh, said, "Well." Uh, Imposing sanctions, harsh sanctions on Iran, will uh, uh, make the Iranian people rally around the regime against America. Uh, did that happen? No, the opposite happened. There's not a single one uh, spontaneous demonstration or protest organized by the Iranians uh, was against um, U.S. sanctions. Every single spontaneous um, demonstration was against the regime, right? So, and how do you how you know how do this pro engagement people uh, explain that? They said sanction will never work. They said sanction will alienate Iranian people, but. Um, but I, I have a Twitter account uh, which uh, in which I talk only about uh, uh, issues related to Iran, and most of my followers are uh, Iranians. And I say this uh, very boldly um, uh, that uh, many self-righteous uh, American progressives say, "Well, we shouldn't uh, impose sanctions on Iran uh, because that make people the people uh, collateral damage." Um, but I would say um, the issue is. Um, if we don't do sanctions, what, what, what's really the the um, the option? You know, that's the alternative, right? You want to do, do diplomacy. You want to talk to them and, and sit down, and negotiate with them. They are not interested. Their interest is to oppose you, not to sit down and negotiate with you. And you know, so what are you going to do with that? Um, Remove all sanctions and then uh, let the regime in, uh, enrich itself and uh, and increase its uh, spoiler uh, you know uh, spoiler uh, uh, capacity to destabilize the region. Is that what we want? Is that what we want? So the 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 the, the fundamental issue is that the progressive and uh, the progressives who are against the sanction so far have not provided a viable alternative. I you know I I don't want to see. Uh, innocent Iranian people um, being victimized because of sanctions. But I, I think foreign policy is always about trade-off. You have a one policy tool and you know we, we have to consider what's available uh, in the foreign policy toolbox.
right? And, Absolutely. And, and, and then, yeah, and then as it turned out, um, uh, Iranian people are remarkably, remarkably, uh, um, um, uh, understand, they have a remarkable understanding and uh, uh, they did not uh, come, uh, come out spontaneously against uh, the, the United States, but, uh, you know, because of sanctions, but against the regime. They question the regime, why do you do this and that to destabilize the region, to oppress our people, um, so that the foreign, uh, foreign powers, the international society treat us as pariah? Yeah, um, there was a really, really fascinating point that, that that you made that, you know, after more sanctions, the only demonstrations were not anti-American, but actually anti-Iranian regime. Um, yes. And and we were talking a little bit about this this toolbox that that we have for, for foreign policy. So later this week, the U.S. and Iran will be engaging in some indirect talks, um, which is is always kind of a funny term to me because it literally means that Britain and and everyone else will be talking with Iran directly, and the U.S. people will be just down the hall. But the the point is, um, under the Biden administration, there there is a move to um, create a what Secretary of State um, Anthony Blinken just called a longer and stronger version of the 2015 um, Iran nuclear deal. So with the, the, the toolbox of foreign policy options that uh, the, the United States has, what, what do you think would be best going forward? Is it just more sanctions or is there something more that the US should be doing? Uh, you know, first of all, I, I have to uh, I have to make clear I'm 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 not against diplomacy uh, with Iran. Uh, I'm for diplomacy. Uh, what I am against is the diplomacy without leverage. Uh, you know, um, because diplomacy without leverage, without ability to demand the other side to make a compromise. Um, uh, in our case, uh, that's not diplomacy. That's that's appeasement. Uh, you know, considering the 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 uh, the power differential between the United States uh, and Iran, um, basically, what the current administration, uh, Biden administration, is proposing is that we remove all uh, leverages, meaning as financial and oil sanctions. You you just here. I need to talk a little bit about uh, the sanctions or uh, over 1,500 sanctions against Iran uh, imposed by the United States. But the, the major sanctions really matter, actually two. Uh, one is the oil sanction. Uh, you know, 40% of Iranian economy relies on oil export, right? Another is financial sanction. Financial sanction, so oil sanction um, bans Iran's uh, oil exports. Meaning if you want to buy Iranian oil, uh, you can't buy it in U.S. dollars. If you buy it, I will sanction you. Uh, the United States will sanction you, right? So that, so that's one. And then the, the 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 second one, the financial sanction. What that means is that if you buy Iranian oil, uh, even for for you know, take example, uh, take China as, as example. China has been buying Iranian oil, uh, circumventing the sanction. Uh, but the problem. Uh, what the media doesn't really uh, say much is that China does not give the money back to Iran because there is a financial sanction preventing international financial transactions. Uh, 
So the Iranian oil money sits in Chinese banks for which China doesn't pay interest and actually charges the Iranians a fee to keep the money. Um, and then you want to get the money back, uh, 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 you know, uh, the dollars back uh, through illicit channels uh, and means, it's very costly. So this is, you know, very effective blocking uh, a, a key export uh, that's a you know, key pillar of Iranian economy and then blocking Iran's international transaction. Uh, these two pieces are most powerful. So, uh, uh, the, uh, and then uh, these are the two pieces of uh, sanctions uh, uh, under the JCPOA, uh, the US must lift. So what the current administration is saying, okay, Iran return to compliance and will lift these sanctions. They said, uh, they, the, the current administration uh, the Biden administration acknowledges that the Iran nuclear deal is inadequate. inadequate. They acknowledges that the, they acknowledge that the deal has to be strengthened. But the issue is right here. They are proposing back, uh, you know, uh, taking away the sanctions so Iran returns to compliance. Um, but imagine that um, these when you have these two uh, uh, sanctions. Uh, taking off uh, from you know uh, on Iran, um, you have no uh, powerful enough leverage. Uh, you know, foreign foreign business will not go back to Iran to do business uh, as long as Iran you know maintains its uh, its malicious behavior. No one wants to do business with a potential terrorist, right? You 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 can come under terrorism as uh, you know anti-terrorism sanction. No one would do that. But what the uh, lifting of these two sanctions would do is that you allow uh, Iran to sell oil and then um, uh, and repatriate oil money, meaning uh, the state, the regime benefits from it, where the people uh, hardly benefit from it, uh, you know, uh, anything from it, because it's the you know, classical Dutch disease. Uh, uh, energy uh, curse uh, situation where when um, uh, countries rely on uh, rich natural uh, natural resources usually have a very polarized uh, you know uh, distribution of uh, of wealth you have an extremely wealthy and collapse uh, and corrupt elite where people remain extremely poor um, like that right so uh, removing these sanctions uh, exactly that's that. So the, the, the Iranian people would hardly, not completely, but hardly benefit, but the regime would be injected with the resources it needs to oppress the people and to, to, uh, to continue uh, uh, destabilizing the region. And, and then in addition to that, you will have no powerful enough leverage under the deal to force the Iranian regime back to negotiation to negotiate other issues. Other issues being, uh, you know, the nuclear deal expires uh, in uh, 2031, right? Uh, you, once you go back to the deal and relinquish uh, financial and oil sanctions, you will not be able to force the Iranian regime to sit down again to talk about extending the, the restrictions of their uh, nuclear uh, activity. You will not have a leverage to force them to sit down to talk about their missile program. Uh, remember in 2019, 
what shocked uh, the international community was uh, the Iranian missile was uh, 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 was was really uh, high high precision. Um, it cruise missile uh, hit uh, the Saudi Aramco facility and interrupted Middle Eastern oil uh, output, right? Um, you have no leverage to talk about that. And you have no leverage to talk about Iranian destabilizing uh, activity through its uh, proxies, uh, non-state actors in countries like Yemen, Syria, uh, Lebanon, Israel. Um, and you basically give them a carte blanche uh, to do uh, whatever they want. So, and I, I am vocal on this uh, on social media. And then uh, in, uh, uh, when I have interviews, I, I, I ask this question uh, uh, to the, uh, you know, from, uh, from the Biden administration, you want to go back to the nuclear deal. And then you admit that the deal needs to be strengthened. The problem is by going back to the deal first, you're relinquishing uh, all the leverages. So what are you going to do? After you do that, you know, uh, 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 after you return to the deal, how are you? Uh, uh, through what means are you going to uh, um, uh, uh, engage Iran to negotiate others? And to this day, to this day, the administration has always dodged the question, um, and then um, avoid answering anything in specific. Uh, the Iran envoy actually said, uh, "We will try to convince." Uh, the Iranians to sit down to negotiate other issues. Don't you think this is this is laughable? You're try to you're going to try to convince the Iranians with what? Why would they want to sit down with you to talk about those issues? Right. So basically, as I see it, it's a dead end. You know, the the, the Biden administration is single single minded, uh, laser focused in returning to the deal, and what comes after. I don't think they have any idea, um, and I think they're they're um, they have a very utilitarian uh, and cynic approach to that. Meaning, let's go back to the deal, which is uh, Obama legacy, um, and then uh, and, and again based on the progressive idea that we have done so much wrong on Iran, and then this is the way we'll fix it, uh, and then other aspects aspect of the Iranian behavior, well, it would take time to negotiate. In, in a couple of years' time, it's not a problem anymore. Sadly, that seems to be what will happen. So basically, uh, go back to the deal first, buy us some time, and kick the, you know, kick the can down the road. That's it. Uh, I don't think that's a responsible foreign policy. And, and all the while, well, we kick the can further down the road, the rights and liberties of the Iranian people get, get kicked further down the road as well, which is, I mean, yeah, it's tough. And then, and then say, yes, and say, if you live in the Middle East, if you live in Yemen, if you live in Syria, if you live in Lebanon, if you live in Israel, you face Iranian menace every day through uh, the IRGC Goods Force, uh, the uh, you know Goods Force uh, is the IRGC Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps Overseas Operation Force, right? So you face uh, their menace every day, or you face the menace of Iranian proxies, uh, militia groups throughout the region. And then uh, what people don't know is actually the Hezbollah, uh, um, uh, Iran's biggest proxy group. Uh, in Lebanon, Hezbollah has a wide 
very widely spread uh, uh, network in Latin America, laundering money, destabilizing the region. Um, uh, and you, you know, in the 1990s, uh, Hezbollah uh, detonated a, a bomb uh, in the synagogue in Argentina, killing 200 plus people, right? Um, uh, you know, many people these days don't 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 know about that. But if you if you if you look into uh, the kind of terrorist uh, uh, actions that uh, Iran and its proxy groups uh, have done, it's way much you know way worse. Uh, 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 let uh, let's uh, let's say um, it's as bad as Al Qaeda, if not worse. Al Qaeda is so much uh, is so bad because we all know uh, of 911. We all know that they they bombed the uh, American embassy uh, in uh, 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 um, Kenya and Tanzania, uh, and then they fought against us uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan and all that. But the Iranians, through their proxies, have done so much uh, uh, damage. Uh, to our national interests and the interests of our allies, also, and they are right, be, you know, right at our, our back door in Latin America. It's true, and so you know, you're talking about looking into things. As we start to wrap up our, our conversation, which has been fruitful on so many levels, um, where would you recommend that people begin to look to uh, learn more about the Iranian regime, U.S. foreign policy, and and and, and, and just to better understand? um the entire situation well um you know um so it's so this is a big, a big problem right so the entire uh, iranian studies uh, uh community uh i i i i say this uh, at the risk of um being ostracized uh, uh from iranian studies uh, perpetually but i think it, it is necessary to say that um, a, a friend of mine who is a Iranian uh, history professor uh, told, once told me uh, that in the last couple of years, he thought of quitting uh, uh, this profession many times because he couldn't say uh, what he really thought uh, is the right thing to say. Um, but because in the position, uh, you know, having a career, uh, make a living, making a living, on Iranian studies, depending on university and academic uh, community, he could not do that. He could not say what he really thought he should say because that's that was spelling an end to his academic career. And I think, that, you know, that this is the problem because a lot of things are not being said. Had I, you know, because uh, these days I tried to write. I got a lot of criticism, of course. Uh, some some are uh, well grounded, but uh, many are not. Um, uh, but but I tried to write. Um, and and um, uh, had I been better informed, has uh, had had there been somebody uh, taking this intricate politics, Iran U.S. politics, and and and, and Iran's internal uh, uh, politics apart for me, had anybody done that uh, from a po position of a, 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 a expert, academic expert, then what has happened to me wouldn't have happened, right? So it, it's a really tricky problem because most people, uh, I'm not saying uh, nobody, but many people in the, in the Iranian studies 
do not talk about this because this is not to our interest. Uh, although, although they are courageous and 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 uh, um, uh, uh, very um, uh, upright um, people, saying what needs to be say, uh, said, um, and I really appreciate there 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 are, there are a number of very good books um, that sheds light on uh, uh, on the nature of uh, of uh, of, uh, of, uh, of Iranian regime, but unfortunately, uh, they are not the dominant uh, voice. Um, whereas um, most, if you go to a, a bookstore with a number of Iranian uh, studies books, you'll realize it's it's pretty deplorable. Um, I would say, and I lament uh, uh, for that. So, um, but again, um, to to your question, uh, how are we going to understand uh, what's going on in that country and our relation uh, and the U.S. in relation to Iran? You should check. Um, uh, what's going on? What has happened against what you learn uh, in uh, in the classrooms, and what these uh, 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 progressive uh, policymakers and hardline like the Trump administration have said? Um, you check their policy and what happening, you know, in reaction to that on the ground against each other and you come up with a, you know your own conclusion i think that is the most that's the sounded way the the, the most uh, that is the soundest way to approach this for example um uh, if we may have just a few more minutes so for example people say especially current administration would, would would say obama's legacy on iran is the jcpoa and i disagree because they they would quote the jcpoa is, is a paramount of uh, in constructive engagement um, between the US and Iran, uh, the, you know, engaging uh, the US engaging Iran. And I disagree because from, 19, uh, from 2009 uh, to 2015, Obama tried to engage Iran so many times and every time he met with indifference. Uh, uh, you, you know, you can read my my analysis uh, in my uh, 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 recent piece on national interest about that. The, the JCPOA came into being not because of Obama was succeeding in uh, succeeded in engaging Iran, but JCPOA came into being through Obama's pressure, through uh, 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 um, uh, uh, with with crashing sanctions, multilateral UN sanctions and then uh, crashing uh, banking and oil sanctions that forced Iran to come to the negotiation table to talk about the issues uh, uh, critical uh, to, uh, to international peace and security. The, the Obama's problem at that time is that uh, he was pressed by uh, 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 the pressure of uh, uh, the cycle of election, uh, he needed to come uh, to to conclude a deal before the end of his term, and then plus uh, John Kerry wasn't a very skilled uh, uh, negotiator; he was too eager to give up, uh, uh, you know, to, to give out uh, too much. Um, so uh, I think um, the United States uh, didn't negotiate well uh, in 2015. We gave up uh, what we shouldn't have uh, given up. Um, so. Uh, uh, to summarize, Obama's legacy is an approach 
uh, that is uh, through pressure backed by uh, credible deterrence that we can um, convince Iran to talk to us in a way that we can solve or at least manage its undesirable behavior uh, to, to the international peace and our national interest. And if the Biden administration wants to maintain Obama's uh, a, a legacy, the approach shouldn't be giving up leverage to engage Iran and give uh, a sanction relief to Iran. Um, but, uh, but rather, the Biden administration should understand this time, uh, time is, on, uh, 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 is in our favor. They should continue uh, the pressure um, and, 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 uh, and use the existing leverage uh, to compel Iran to sit down to talk about issues critical to our interests. Well, Mr. Uh, Wing, so that's my belief. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank thank you so very much for for for, uh, for this conversation and for um, really enlightening. Certainly not not only myself but everyone listening. Um, I highly recommend that if anyone is interested in learning more, uh, they should definitely follow follow you on Twitter. I mean, Twitter at, at times is just a lot of people trying to see who can rant the most. But your your tweets are consistently not only informative but just very very well done. <laughs> so well, thank you very I, much. I, 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 uh, I definitely try, try highly, to... highly recommend that. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you very much. Uh, and I think it is, um, uh, I, I, you know, to really conclude, uh, I, I know we're running out of time, but um, I really learned a lot uh, uh, in my uh, three and a half year, uh, nearly three and a half year imprisonment in Iran. It's really like a, a field trip uh, like no other. Uh, that I had the opportunity uh, to learn uh, from Iranian people, from all walks of life, uh, from uh, former diplomats, uh, uh, government officials, re regime insiders, uh, to religious scholars, journalists, uh, uh, liberal, uh, liberal, uh, you know, liberal intellectuals, uh, money launderers, people who sanctioned, uh, who, who circumvent sanction with them, to uh, to religious extremists and petty merchants. Right, um, it, it's really a remarkable uh, 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 kind of a field work um, you know, uh, through, through which um, I learned uh, a great deal uh, about the country. Uh, and I see uh, today our approach, uh, the Biden administration's approach to Iran uh, very pessimistically, uh, I'm sorry. Um, I think, um, uh, their approach is uh, going to spell disaster. Well, th thank you very, very much. Uh, I know the entire Princeton community should not only be grateful for your uh, release, but also your your return to the university for your for your per perspectives, wonderful wisdom, and and for what uh, you will be continuing to do in informing others about the Iranian. Uh, U.S. situation and about those 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 people who are truly yearning for liberty one day, and who I truly hope and feel that they may be able to feel that. Um, so, yes. so once again, thank you so much for coming on to the Prince and Tory. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, it's uh, really my pleasure to uh, to uh, to be here. Um, hopefully, 
uh, I have uh, contributed a little bit, at least, uh, to uh, to our understanding of uh, Iran. It, it's uh, such a wonderful country, but unfortunately, uh, under such a brutal uh, regime, uh, it is really my wish uh, that um, uh, one day uh, I can return to Iran as as a true guest, and then uh, many Americans will be able to visit Iran with a peace of mind uh, and enjoy that lovely country. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Wang, and thank you to our uh, audio producer, Jermaine Washington, and we will see you next time on the Princeton Tory Podcast. Thank you very much.